Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain. 
in the things of God, but I do sense, I believe by the Holy Spirit, that there are uh, some work the Holy Spirit wants to do in all of us. I, I, I heard it was either Evie or one of you mentioned about being champions, and, and, and I really believe that God is, is, is elevating his church so that we can do a strong work in this hour. I really believe that God is elevating and, and, and charging and challenging and drawing the church into a greater effectiveness in this hour. And in order to be effective, we've got to be strong in our soul. Okay, now let's, let's I, I'm, I'm a teacher of the word, but, but I, I'm not exactly sure how to deliver this. So just let me, just let me give it the way I sense it and you take it any way it comes. Uh, I, in my years of ministry, the number one thing I've noticed in the body of Christ, if not just people in general, is that the soul is the part that I'm most challenged with. People, see, listen, we are born again and our spirit man is instantly born into the likeness of God. Our soul is then uh, born again but then there is an ongoing work of sanctification and regeneration in the soulish man. So the soulish man was saved, is being saved, and will continue to be saved. And so the soul is the part the enemy most often attacks. The soul is where the enemy most often hinders and frustrates the work of God in our life. Can someone say amen? In Psalms 23, in verse 3, the, the, David the psalmist says, The Lord restores my soul. And I want you to know that it is God's intent not to leave your soul in a broken place. What's interesting about the season that we're living in, we're living in a very, very uncommon season. The warfare in this season is unlike anything I've ever seen. The, the enemy has used tactics 
tactics of fear and intimidation and separation and masking and mandates and, 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 and government overreach all to cause the soul to surrender to darkness. Actually, you're not contending with governments. You're not contending with people. You're contending with the spirit of the Antichrist. And one of the central issues of the spirit of the Antichrist in the last hour is that he would use deception. And so the soul is critically important that we have a healthy soul. He restores the soul. And, and, and in, the, in the New Testament, the word soul most often comes across as the suke, the intellect, the reasoning, the mind, the emotions, the will, decision-making. Feelings are all housed in the soul. And that part is often where we are struggling. And so I really believe that God has an intentional ministry through the work of the Holy Spirit and through your personal relationship with Jesus Christ to restore, refresh the soul. Now, I... I I don't know your story, but I, from experience, I believe that we all have had some issues with our soul. Either the hurts, the wounds, the injuries, the brokenness, the despair, all of these things come against the soul. The challenge is, is that if the soul is not restored, it will cause us to limp through life because of an injured, wounded soul. You can't, you can't live beyond the condition or state of your soul. Oh, we can look good on Sunday and praise the Lord, but if we go home broken and wounded and hurting from the inside out, then we're still not walking in the victory that God has ordained for us. And there is a ministry to the soul. I do uh, marital counseling. As a pastor, you have to walk couples through issues and and most of the time when we're sitting down and doing marital counseling, we're dealing with issues in the soul. And you can't have a great marriage if you got issues in your soul. Uh, three amens and a help me. <laughs> look, look with me and let's look at some scripture. Do you like scripture? Look at Isaiah the 61st chapter. Uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the church addresses the soul. Look, look at the messianic anointing that was on Jesus, and I believe it's on the church as well. Many of the things, verses 1, 2, and 3, deals with matters in the soul. Listen to it. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To what? To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives, whatever that might be. The opening of prisons to them that are bound. I find it interesting. We're living in a day that uh, addictions are still rampant. We're dealing with fentanyl, which is a 
deadly drug on the increase. Opioid addictions are up. Alcoholism is up. Suicide among young people 10 to 24 is up higher than it's ever been. These masks and mandates and shutdowns is having an impact on our young people. It's in their soul. Their souls are being assaulted by darkness. Verse 2 says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. If you've lost a loved one recently in the last couple of years, your heart can still be grieving. We had a precious brother in our church, powerful man of God, just a few weeks ago pass away. And it's, 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 it's difficult. If you've, listen, listen, these things happen, but they can leave scarring and injury and hurt and wounds in the soulish man. And you can be on your way to heaven, but hurting each step of the way. Had a dear friend of mine who, who 40 plus years of marriage, and one day his wife decides that she don't want to be married to him anymore. She leaves and goes be with another high school friend and divorces my brother and, and marries this high school friend. And, and after 40 years of marriage, and, and as I sat with him on more than one occasion, listening to his heart and, and consoling him as he grieves. He's asking the question, what did I do wrong? You did nothing wrong, but how do I go forward? I, we're going to have to trust God that he restores your soul. Forty years of marriage, and all of a sudden she's wanting to go somewhere else? These things leave scarring in the soul. They leave bruising and woundedness, and if you don't if we don't know how to allow the work of the Spirit to restore, to refresh, and to renew our souls, we can stay in a broken place. Our nation is in a broken place. There's a lot of wounded hearts and minds, and we've got to... You see, I don't believe it God's desire just to get you to heaven. I believe God wants to make you whole while you're on your way. Amen? We should need medicine to wake us up and medicine to put us to sleep and medicine to comfort us along the day, the, 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 during the day. Now, if you're one of these, don't get insulted, okay? Now, now you're in church, but you can get offended, but I don't mean to offend anybody, but I probably will. But I was in the airport uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and I, I noticed how many people had dogs. And, I, and I'm, I'm pondering, I'm like, yeah, I've traveled a lot, but I remember seeing all these dogs in here. And I recognize that these dogs were certified comforting dogs. Okay, I, I can work with this. But I thought the Holy Spirit was the comforter. Now, I, now, now, now I, I love animals. I love dogs. I saw one when I came in. It was a beautiful dog. That's wonderful. But the comforter is not a poodle. It's the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Now, if you get offended, that's okay. I'll pray for you later. It was never God's intent to have something to replace him. 
everything in life, everything in life is to lead us to him, not to be a replacement for him. Let, 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 me, let me go, let, I'm going to go to the heart of where I want to go this morning. Uh, turn your Bibles, if you would, to Second uh, Samuel, the ninth chapter. The second Samuel, the ninth chapter, deals with the setting of the life of Mephibosheth. If you know the story, Mephibosheth is the, is the grandson of King Saul, the son of Jonathan. And Mephibosheth is in a place called Lodabar. I've shared this many times, and for whatever reason, it came back in my spirit as I thought about coming and sharing with you this morning. Lodabar. In some references, they call it Labar, but Lodabar. What is this place that, that uh, Mephibosheth is found in? If I could bring your attention, if I may, to verse 1, and I'll just read several verses here real quickly. And David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, and the king said unto him, are, are you Ziba? He said, yes, I am. And the king said, is there yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of, uh, of God unto him? And Ziba said, there is a, uh, one unto him. Jonathan has a son, and he's lame in the feet. And the king said unto him, where is he? And he says, Ziba uh, unto him. And he says, he's in the house of Machair, in the son of Amelia in Lodabar. Now, what's interesting about Lodabar, Lodabar means pastureless, meaning that it is a place without resources. It's a place of barrenness. It's a place where one is forgotten. It's the place where one is dropped. It's where orphans were left. Lodabar. Now, what's, 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 what's heartbreaking about this story of Mephibosheth is that on the day that Mephibosheth, five years old, Jonathan, his father, Saul, his grandfather, are killed is the same day he's made lame. Shortly thereafter, he arrives in this place called Lodabar. And my question to you, have you ever felt abandoned, forgotten, and left I know a young man, I know his story well, that at the age of six, he was taken to his grandmother's house, his parents shortly after divorced, and he lived in with his grandmother, and about a year later, she passed away. He and his older brother lived there with now an aunt for several years, and it looks in the memory of the person, it looks like and sounds like a Lodabar a place of barrenness, a place of, of emptiness, a place of lack, a, la a place where love seems to be forgotten. Maybe you have had a journey through a place called Lodabar and life seemed to have dropped you. I know this about my journey in life is that life is not fair. Life is brutal. Life is harsh, but God is good and good all the time. So don't confuse the two. Don't, conf don't confuse your journey as if it's God's perfect will. 
God never wants to leave anybody in Lodabar. He, it wasn't his plan to leave Mephibosheth there. So Mephibosheth is in Lodabar. Uh, Ziba tells King David that, yes, he has a son. He's lame in his feet. And David sent, verse 5, sent and fetched out of the house of Machar, the son of Amelia from Lodabar. Now Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David. He fell on his face and did reverence. And David said unto Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. Now what's interesting about Mephibosheth is that he's a broken vessel. Life will crush you and abandon you. But you've got to know where the answer is. I reiterate and restate this. God never wanted and never has purpose to abandon anybody. And maybe you're in a marriage that you feel like you're in, in a Lodabar. Maybe you're in a business that's failed and it feels like Lodabar. Maybe you're in a city that feels like Lodabar. Maybe your children are not doing what they should be and it feels like a Lodabar. But it was never God's plan to leave you there. Let me just be transparent for a moment. <clears throat> the young person I mentioned to you about six years old dropped off at grandmother's and stayed with an aunt. I happen to be that person. I happen to have had an address in a place called Lodabar. I know it quite well. I know what it's like to be suicidal as a teen. Empty crying at night. I would actually go months and sometimes years without seeing my mother or my father. Christmas time was the worst time of the year. Emptiness and despair, Lodabar. And so when I read the story of Mephibosheth, I could put my name in there in some places. But that's not the end of the story of Mephibosheth because David, David is a type of Jesus Christ in this setting. David summons Mephibosheth out of Lodabar. Are you still with me this morning? I want you to know that God summoned you out of a broken place. He summoned you out. And, and so Mephibosheth is in front of David. Listen to what David says about him. Says, says to him, behold it, thy servant. He's in David said unto him, fear not. Fear not. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore. <laughs> He's the grandson of the king. God says, I will restore unto thee all the lands of Saul, your father. And you shall eat. Now, this is the highest point of the text, in my opinion. You shall eat at my table continually. So he's restored not just to uh, provisions. He's restored to relationship in kingship and in a father-son kind of relationship. David's a type of father to him. He's a, he's a relationship that, that, that restores honor and restores dignity. Eat at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, why is your servant, um, why are you so good to your servant that you should look upon me such as a dead dog? In other words, he saw himself as worthless. 
So David's task is to restore dignity, dignity back to Mephibosheth. And he, he brings him into, into proximity. I want you to know that God, it's his plan to restore you to himself. He's not just trying to get provisions. He's not just trying to get a father in your life. He's trying to restore relationship to the king. And that's where, that's where life is found. You see, th- nothing in life was ever intended to be a substitute for him. I've noticed something about the life journey is that at times God will allow everything you value to step away or be taken away so that you can come and spend time, yes, delight in the source of life. Jesus Christ is life. He's not just the way to the Father. He is life. He is the source of everything the soul longs for. Now, let let me give you you a little bit more about this setting here with with, Jesus. Mephibosheth and and all that goes on. So he he he's restored. He's told him not to be afraid, and um and and he he promised that he would have place in David's life. He'd be at the table. Something happens that in the story of Mephibosheth that actually I'm troubled about. If you remember this the, the setting, David David's son Absalom steals the kingdom from him. Okay. He woos the people. He steals the kingdom. And while David is driven out of Jerusalem, the city of David, he's driven out, Mephibosheth doesn't go with him. It's troublesome. After David is restored back to the kingdom, and he, Mephibosheth, David comes back into the, in the city. Mephibosheth is one of the first people he sees. And David asked him, Mephibosheth, why didn't you come with me? Mephibosheth had not shaven. He had not changed his clothes. I mean, he looked a mess when David sees him. And Mephibosheth says, my servant Ziba deceived me. He said he was going to prepare a donkey and, 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 and take me, but he never did. Now, Ziba says, I came to Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth said he didn't want to go because now he was going to get his father's house and Saul's kingdom back to himself. So one of these two guys are twisting the truth. But what's troublesome about it is for whatever reason, Mephibosheth doesn't go with David. And David says, "Eh, not going to talk about it anymore. He ends the conversation, but this is my thinking. As good as God had been to Mephibosheth, as good as David had been to Mephibosheth, I don't know about you, but I've been one crippled man dragging myself down the road trying to keep up with David. Because David is Mephibosheth's source. He's the king. He's the one that restored. And let me say this to all of us. No matter what it takes, stay with Jesus. If you have to drag yourself down the path alone, though people may drop you, may your servant... Ziba, forget to bring the donkey or whatever in the cart. Or, but I would have been, I've been that crippled man dragging myself down the road trying to keep up with David because David was Mephibosheth's answer. You never hear anything else about Mephibosheth after that setting in the text. Let me finish up with another piece of perspective about restoring the soul. And it's found, if I may bring your attention, in St. John, the fourth chapter. Keep Mephibosheth in the back of your mind, but let's go to the woman, Samaritan woman at the well. 
There's a lot of things pulling at your attention. And no matter how intense the warfare, God never intended to leave you broken. And we're living in a very strange time. There's things trying to pull for our attention, our devotion, trying to pull for our, our, our obedience and submission. God has always designed all of creation to help you find him. I like how Mike Murdoch says it. He says, he says that everything in life has a downside except God. He says everything you have, eventually you recognize it has a downside. You get a brand new house, and now you've got to keep it up. You've got to clean it. You've got you to take care of it. You get a new car, somebody runs into it. I mean, everything in life has a downside. I believe that everything God gives is a trail back to himself. It's a witness of the, of the, of the giver and the provider. Don't ever let something he gives replace his presence. And so, and so the emptiness, listen, this, this, is, this is important. I had Because remember, I, I used to live in Lodabar, so I know how to do this. Depression is not to be ignored. Emptiness and despair are merely hunger pains in your soul to go back to the source who provides life. So don't ignore when you feel empty, when you feel like you're frustrated, when you feel a, a, a tug of depression or a, a tug of emptiness. When anything comes on your soul, it's a witness to get spend more time with the source who gives life. Are you hearing this? You know, I mentioned that my wife and I, as of March, will be married 40 years. Did someone say amen or help him, Lord? No. 40 years. And my wife, my wife and I, we, we understand the difference in our marriage. We both have come from divorced homes. Our parents divorced. And one of the things we discovered early is that the other is not and was not the source of one's fulfillment. Not even your spouse is the source of your joy. Amen, floor. God gives you a mate to share his glory, not to be the center of his, your glory. And so when you, when you can celebrate God together, your journey is less stressful. So I don't wake up in the morning making a demand on my wife to make me happy or to fulfill some preconceived need in my life. Your needs are met by your God, not by your mate. Oh, I got to go there just for a moment, just for a moment. The mistake that Adam made, and the scripture bears witness with this, Adam ate from the hand of Eve instead of from the word of God. And I say to men all the time in counsel, never eat from the hand of a woman. Eat from the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Anything you need can manipulate you. Yeah. Got quiet again. So, so if you need your mate, your mate can manipulate you. So you don't need each other. Listen, you serve and bless one another. You need God, and you share that with each other. God is your source, not your mate. 
Uh, Pastor, I think we need to come and do a marital, marital counseling. I don't know what it is. Getting real quiet in here. I'm just it's stirring over there. The soul. I, I think it's troublesome in marriage and relationships as a whole when people have an unmet need and they try to make that need be met through their mate. I'm unhappy and it's your fault. No, you were unhappy when I, when I met you. You know, so it needs to be, we need to, we need to deal with the soulless issues early in life, early in life. And so if you, if you know the setting in St. John, the fourth chapter, Jesus goes to the, to uh, Samaritan, 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 Samaria, and there he meets a woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, um, Verse 6, and, and he says, now the Jacob's well was near, and Jesus being wearied, and it was about the sixth hour, which is 12 noon, and there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, give me the drink. For his disciples had gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then she said unto him, how is it that you asked, you being a Jew, ask me for water to drink? And I being a Samaritan, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus said unto her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that said unto you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. The mistake often we make is we try to drink from sources that can't satisfy. I don't care how much success you have in business and know how much money you make. When you lay down at night, you still have an unmet need, and his name is Jesus. Nothing in life can satisfy the longing of the human soul. Nothing. No amount of success, no amount of possessions, no amount of achievements can replace his presence. God designed the human soul to have this divine void in the soul that only he can meet. Now, let me, let, let me make this real clear. I'm not just talking about being saved because some of you are sitting here thinking I'm talking about just being saved. Listen, I'm talking about a life in Christ that goes beyond the day you came to Christ. I'm talking about living every day where he is meeting your inner need. That you're able to enjoy life, you're able to experience life, you're able to experience God's intent for his creation. And you're not waiting to go to heaven. Eternal life doesn't start when you get to heaven. It should have started when you came to Christ. And he deals with the Lodabar experience. One of the things that um, stands out in my mind, it's one thing to remove Mephibosheth from Lodabar. It's a whole new issue to get Lodabar out of Mephibosheth. And I'd like to think, yes, amen, Lord, some of us are God still trying to get the Lodabar experience out of our soul, that we're not limping and, and struggling and being frustrated because of an, a season being dropped, being forgotten. It's a whole new journey. It's a whole new priority for God is to restore your soul, bring it back to the place he ordained it to be, not broken, not wounded. So the Samaritan woman is at the well, and Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God uh, and who it was that was talking to you, you would ask me for living water. Let me speed it up. <clears throat> verse 14 is it, but whosoever drinketh of, let me back up, verse 13. And Jesus said, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. This natural water shall thirst again. Shall thirst again. The natural 
the superficial, the temporal, the earthly, doesn't satisfy the human soul. God designed your soul for himself. What did I just say? God designed our souls for himself. I heard it years ago, and, 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 and I, I think it to be true, is that every human being born in the earth is, knows to worship. And so you'll find people worshiping, worshiping rocks and worshiping creation because inside of us we know to worship. I also believe not only are we, are we created to worship, but we find fulfillment only in him, that he alone is the perfect match for the soul of humanity. In his presence is the fullness of joy. No other place. Young people, listen to me. You can search life a million times over, and you're going to come right back to the same place that Jesus Christ alone satisfies the thirsting of the human soul. He, he alone. And, and when you're young, you think, oh, I'm going to do all these things. When you get a little bit older and you've done all those things, you're like, hmm. It didn't work, did it? And you find yourself right back to the well that never runs dry. Right back to the Lord. And Jesus promises her. He says, this well that you're talking about, you'll thirst again. Verse 14, but whosoever drinks from the water that I shall give, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. Listen, he placed himself inside so that you can have a constant flow of his presence from the inside out. Now, the question is, do we know how to drink? Do we know how to pull up? You know, I, I thought about wells. I remember there was a time when I was young, I remember seeing these outside pumps. And occasionally these pumps would run dry. And you had to take the top of it off, and you had to prime the pump. What did, you, what did you do to prime the pump? You had to pour water in the well. And I want you to know some days you, you haven't spent enough time getting water, so you got to put some water in the well. In other words, you got to spend some time in praise. you got to spend some time in worship. you got to spend some time in adoration. you got to spend some time giving thanks, priming the pump so that the water will flow back up. And it's inside of you. I just think it's so awesome that God didn't go to heaven and stay there. He sent his spirit to live in us. The paracletos, the one called alongside, the one who, who is that living well from within that satisfies. But the challenge is often we don't drink enough. What's wonderful about God, when he made us, he made us with this capacity for himself. Now, I just think this is amazing. He made the human soul with an infinite capacity for him. What am I saying? I'm saying that the human soul has the capacity to take all of God in an infinite measure. In other words, no one's ever tapped out their soul. So as long as you're thirsty, he's present. As long as you're hungry, he will feed you. As long as you want more, he will give you more. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I want to encourage you to, 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 to make a demand on your soul to drink deeply from God. Now, there's an interesting thing about wells is that sometimes, sometimes you got to 
redig. You don't need to relocate the well, but you got to dig deeper in the well. What's interesting thing about wells is that underground that you seldom ever see are actually rivers underground. And sometimes you've tapped into a stream and the stream runs dry. And then a good well digger will then dig deeper in the same spot and no longer get a stream but get a river. I'd like to believe that all of us need to go a little bit deeper. I've noticed this about life is that in every season, I've had to dig a little deeper. What took 20 years ago just to get the water out, I got to go a little deeper. It's not 15 minutes in a prayer. It's two hours and intercession and worship and so on. I'm a, may I encourage Mission Community Church to go deeper? Oh, I know, you, I know you're deep. And I know you're astute in the things of God. You can quote all the scriptures and everybody say, bless the Lord. What a powerful man of God, woman of God they are. But may I challenge you by the spirit that there's a whole lot more God has made available for you. I, I want you to know there, there is a river that you have not tapped into yet. There is a stream that God wants to bring you into. There is revelations. There is insight. There is understanding. Listen, most of the water God wants to give you is not for you to drink. For it to flow from you into the lives of other people. I know you're satisfied and you got, you know, everything you're looking good, okay. But God wants to flow through your life. That well that's inside of you, somebody else needs to be drinking from some of that water. That well, that river that's flowing through you carries with it words of encouragement, words of life, words of, of, of clarification and, and destiny and purpose. And God wants all of his gifts to work through you so you can flow into the lives of other people. Is anyone here this morning? God restores the soul. You can't pour out what you don't have inside of you. You can't let it flow from you if you're, if you're struggling from the well that's within you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I pray. For redigging wells that have run dry for making clear greater purpose, greater destiny. Father, I pray for everyone present that you would restore every soul, everyone who's been to Lodabar, everyone who's at a well that trying to get life like the Samaritan woman. She had had five husbands and she's living with a man and Jesus says to her, it won't work. But the seventh man in her life gave her water and she could never thirst again. Father, may we meet the seventh man. Oh, we've had businesses that succeeded and closed and we've had all these things. But, oh, God, may, may the one who provides the real living water meet every need in this place this morning. And then teach us how how to share it with others and how to live fully in it and, and, and not thirst needlessly. 
Lord, I pray for those ones who may still be living in Lodabar, place of pain. God, I pray you heal, restore, exit them, leave them, bring them out of that broken place. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your revelation, oh God. Thank you for doing a good work in this church. I bless the men and women of God here, oh God. May the word bring transformation to every heart. We bless you, Lord. We praise you and honor you for restoring our soul. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.